0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Redeemer City Church. Uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, Redeemer kids, y'all can go on and head out to y'all's uh, children's church back there. But uh, my name is Lagan, and normally I'm the worship leader here at Redeemer City Church, but this Sunday I get the opportunity to preach. Um, it's been probably over a year or so since I've gotten to preach here. So if you haven't heard me preach before, maybe you're in for a treat, maybe not. We'll see how this goes. Um, but yeah, Aaron, like I said, he had his birthday this week and he wanted to take the week off, so he asked me to preach, and so I gladly um stepped in and, and I really enjoy getting to preach and it's it's I talk fast and we move quick and I get excited and I'll start rambling. But anyways, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. And I'm kind of the uh I feel like I'm Aaron's wild card because I'm not continuing in our series today in Samuel. Uh he gave me the option and it was either I believe preached on the death of Saul and uh, some other stuff like that, or he said, or oh, you can do what you want. So I said, I'm going to do what I want. Um, so today we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. So if you're um, in one of our D groups or wondering what happens in D groups, um, we read through scripture and we memorize scripture together, and right now we kind of just finished up reading through the book of Luke, moving into Acts now, um, but we just finished reading through the book of Luke in the last... Month-ish. Um, so this was one of the chapters we read, and really, this kind of passage has been sticking out to me the last year or two, really. Um, and it's something that's been on my mind quite a bit. And so I was like, you know what? Let's let's preach on this instead of First Samuel, just just for one week. But I am going to reference a little bit of the, the sermon series that we're going through right now. So this week we're going to be in Luke chapter twelve, verses one through two, one through twelve. So I'll give you a second to get there, and um, we'll also have the words up on the screen. So Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12, it says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So today we're going to be talking about fear. Um, and I kind of titled my sermon, Fear and Freedom, and you'll see where we go with that. But we're going, to, we're going to start today talking about fear. So just kind of a question to get you guys thinking as we're going, like, what are you afraid of? Um, you know, for me, I had to think a little while like, well, I'm not afraid of a lot of things, but one thing's for sure, anything in the open water that's bigger than about my hand. I if I'm in the water and there's anything bigger than about the size of my hand, no thank you. You know, a fish or a turtle that's about that size, I'm okay. That's cool, you can swim around me. When they start getting bigger than that, no thank you. Uh it's more of a respect a healthy respect of that creature, but that's so that's, that's that's a silly example, but again, that's hmm, no thank you. Um, but but what are you afraid of? Um, it could be be fear of failure. That's something that I've I've dealt with in my life is a fear of, of failing, of of not accomplishing a task I set out to do. Is it because you have a fear of being of being alone, or a fear of a fear of sadness, a fear of 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 of, of any of these things? Um, are you afraid of being of having to be challenged, or are you afraid of doing? hard and, and tough things, of, of having to exert yourself and do those things. Um, there, there are lots of things that we can be afraid of, lots. I mean, it's an innumerable, innumerable amount of things that we can be afraid of or have a fear of or a healthy respect of. Um, but there are different types of fears. There are fears of, of things happening to us, fears of, of us doing something or, or failing to do something or becoming something, um, or, or like I said, having to do something that's that's tough or hard there's there's a whole lot of different types of fears. so today, just be thinking maybe in the back of your mind, what are some things that you you're afraid of or you have a fear of? and I think more often than not our our biggest fears are fears of things that we can't control, like I cannot control that whale in the water no thing I can't control him whatsoever he does what he wants to do and is gonna you know, probably kill me. Maybe not. People. Some people swim with sharks. Never would I ever do that. Not even. Not in a cage. Not in a. No, thank you. Never. But our biggest fears, I think, are are, are fears of things that we we can't control, because we want we, we feel security. We feel we feel safe when it's something we can control. So our, our main idea, kind of for today, is is that. Truth-filled fear will lead us to a life of freedom, and we're going to look at that in three ways. We're going to see the fear of man, we're going to see the fear of the Lord, and then how we go from fear into freedom. So that first, that first point, the fear fear of man. Looking at this passage, we see that, that Jesus has mentioned this, but the fear of man, I believe, is a, is a false fear that leads to hypocrisy. It is, it is a false fear that will lead us down the road of, of becoming or being a hypocrite in our lives. And, and we see that in, in the things we fear about man. So what do we fear about man? We fear oftentimes what, what man or what people can, can do to us. We fear how they can harm our bodies or harm our, our well-being, well-being, harm our, our livelihoods, you know, fire us from a job or, or us not get a job because of some person they can harm our livelihoods and they can harm our security by things someone breaking into your house, someone stealing your your things, someone harming your sense of security. So we fear oftentimes what man can, can do to us. But more often than not, we, we fear, especially in especially in today's age, we fear what man or people thinks about us. We fear what their opinion of us is we fear how good we look in everyone else's eyes, we fear how well our image is presented to to other people, how well maybe even our image is presented to ourselves, we fear our reputation being tarnished or being canceled or whatever you want to call it, we fear our reputation being destroyed, we fear this, this sense of of being right in the eyes of everyone around us, of being correct and upstanding and looking good to those around us, that 's the same thing that that the Pharisees were doing in this day they were they had this fear of of not being looking upstanding to everyone that they were supposed to be the leaders of and the the spiritual leaders they had that fear of what man thought about them, so when we fear what what man can do to us, and we fear what man thinks about us, it begins to lead us to these very, I feel like, desperate places. It will lead us, um, like we've seen in David's story over the last, if you've been here the last couple weeks, as we've been continuing in our series of 1 Samuel, in the last few weeks, we've seen what David's fear of man led him to do. He had this, this fear that, that Saul even though God had saved him countless and countless times, he had this fear that Saul was going to get him this time. So what does he do? He runs away and goes live with his enemies, basically, and starts being this kind of double agent and working for them. But this fear of man led him to do that. And then his fear of them led him to lie to them and kill all these people and do all these crazy things strictly because of his fear of what man would do to him. And then he goes and he he's presenting this image to the Philistines and getting that fear of what they think about him comes into play where he's going to go to war and then they're like no we don't trust you go back home and so all these all these fears of of people and of man that David had were leading him to these very desperate situations fear of fear of man leads us to to start living false lives it leads us to start living lives just filled with anxiety and worry and fear of what people think and can do. It leads to shame. It leads to more fear and more fear and more fear, and it's a never-ending cycle of more and more fear, and that's not, that's not living. Like, that's not a true life. Fear of man leads us to desperate places, and the fear of man will eventually lead us to try to control and manipulate others. To whenever our image or our whatever is not looking just like we want it we're going to begin to try to control that and to manipulate others and make them make them make them think how we want them to think make them say oh yeah Legan's right in this aspect and I, i've i've made them think that or i've made them do that and it leads us to start to control and manipulate others around us but this this fear of man just this, this strictly talking about what they can do to us, what they think of us, what people think and can do to you. It's a, it's a false fear. But looking at this passage, what what should we actually fear about man? What should we actually fear? And I believe it says it right there in verse 1 through 3. We should fear that our fear of man is going to lead us to being hypocrites, to hypocrisy. Verse 1 through 3, that's what Jesus is saying this whole crowd is showing up. And it literally says they're they are, they are trampling each other. And it says, before he says anything to the crowd, he says to the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. That's what he's telling them to be afraid of. He's saying, be afraid of hypocrisy. Be afraid of your life turning into the life of a hypocrite. Because this, this life that the Pharisees were leading, this life that he was warning his disciples about, this life that he's warning us about, is a life of hypocrisy. It's, it's, it will take over your whole life. He uses that reference of, of leaven, which in you know their time they had unleavened bread, which had no leaven in it, no, no yeast, or no rising agent. There's my Great British Baking Show little <laughs> reference. No rising, nothing. But as soon as you had one ounce of leaven in that bread... It was no longer unle- unleavened bread; it is it is now leavened bread. So he's saying this this leaven of the Pharisees, th- this living a life that the Pharisees are living like this, it will it will saturate and infect your your whole life. It's 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 an enslaving type of life where you are, like we said, in this cycle of of fear and of worry and of making sure you're always doing the right thing and looking the right way and continuing down this path of just never-ending fear. And it may start, may start small. You know, it may start, you know, you just, you know, maybe, you know, saying, oh, you know, I did this, 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 and just you slowly start to maybe not fulfill exactly what you say you believe and maybe not, you know, if you, let's just—it's just an example. You know, you say you're, you're tithing 10. percent Well, this maybe you gave, maybe you gave nine and a half percent this week. You know, you you needed that extra 0.5 percent to buy a coffee or whatever. Like, it's it may start small, and that of course that happens in all our lives. We begin to cut corners here and cut corners there. And but as that continues and goes and grows and grows and grows, it's it's gonna be it's gonna grow more and more. It's going to start looking where you, you say you believe in the truths of God, but eventually your life may no longer look like it at all. At first, you may not be able to tell the difference, but eventually, as that, that lifestyle of, of the Pharisee, that lifestyle of, of being a hypocrite grows in you and grows in you grows in you, eventually you may, you may not even recognize yourself anymore. The Pharisees were, were turning worship of God, worship of the true God, into a worship of themselves, into into following these rules so perfectly and looking so good to everyone else and looking so perfect on the outside just so everyone could see how great they were where we get stories that are in Scripture that say where the Pharisees in the temple praying loudly saying, thank goodness I'm not like that man who's just next to him praying. Like saying, thank goodness I'm not like him. Thank goodness I'm not like them. It led to a worship of themselves. And that's what when 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 we fear people more than we fear the Lord, when we fear people more than we fear truth of God, that's what it's going to start to look like. We're going to be worshiping ourselves as opposed to worshiping who God is, worshiping this image we've created of ourselves, this truth that we've put up in front of ourselves to other people, more so than we worship Christ. So the Pharisees feared man's thoughts and rules so much that they based their entire lives around looking good for men looking good for people their entire lives were based around that and hippo- hi- hypocrisy will cause us to forget how bad we really are it will forget it will cause us to forget that we are sinners that we that we have sinned that we do deserve punishment for our sins hypocrisy continually tries to justify itself justify itself into thinking like i'm not really that bad you know i'm i'm pretty i'm better than that person i'm better than them and you're just you're justifying yourself and again, that's a, a dangerous cycle to get them. That's, where, that's where why Christ tells them, beware of this. Beware of hypocrisy. In uh, a quote by C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, Mere Christianity, there's going to be several C.S. Lewis quotes in today's sermon. Um, whenever you can't say anything eloquently, you look up someone who can. So he says, Christianity has nothing to say to people who do not know they have done anything to repent of people who do not feel the need for repentance or forgiveness. You'll only listen to a doctor when you know you are sick. And when we have a life that is full of simply fear of man and fear of people and fear of opinions and a life that's beginning to be full of of hypocrisy and being a hypocrite, we forget how bad we are. We forget how sick we truly are. And this is a dangerous place to be. That's why Christ says, beware of it. It is dangerous. It will cause you to, to be someone that that no longer can be dependent on, that that no one can no one can trust, no one can can rely on when you're not standing on the truth that you profess that you believe and you and you simply change your view or change your opinion or change your, your image to fit whatever seems right in the moment. We we know how we should be living, but oftentimes we don't. And this is this is me speaking from like I said, that's been on my heart for the last year or two. It's how are we living? Are we living how we should, or are we we beginning to be like these Pharisees and just living to prove to other people how good we are? Hypocrisy is fearing man. Sorry, the hypocrisy in fearing man is that when we fear man or what man can do, we are fearing things that ultimately cannot do us harm. Christ straight up says, do not fear them. It's hypocritical in itself to fear them, because Christ straight up says, do not do it. Would you say you trust someone, truly trust someone, and then not take their advice? That's not, that's not trusting someone. When Christ specifically says here, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. If we're not trusting in that advice, do we really trust what Christ is saying to us? But the last point in this in this this fear of man section here is is not simply that we should just fear you know fear this this I know I'm kind of making it seem like this this, this black hole of hypocrisy that we're going to fall into I'm I'm not trying to be super 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 dark and deep on that too bad but it's not just not just that it's not fear of what man thinks it's not fear that of what man can can because man cannot determine our eternity it's It's a fear of what God thinks and what he will do. And that's what Jesus goes into in the the next part of the passage. But fear of man distracts us from the one thing in life that we should fear. Fear of man, fear of people's opinions, fear of our own perfectly safe well-being distracts us from the one thing we should fear. And that's that's the fear of the Lord. And, And the fear of the Lord is... Man, you could talk for days and days and days on what the fear of the Lord is and what it looks like. And I'ma just do a quick, as best I can, little little section here to to talk about it. But I think the fear of the Lord is is the simplest way I can put it, the fear of the Lord is based on truth of who God is. The fear of the Lord is based simply on the truth of who God is and what he did and what he will do. Because as as Christ says here in verse, verse two and three. He says, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. One of the truths of God that, that should cause fear in us is that he is all-knowing. Christ knows. He not only knows who you are on the outside, he knows who you are on the inside. He knows your thoughts. He knows, he knows your everything. As he says in verse um, verse 7, even the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows, he knows everything about you. Nothing is hidden. He knows you. And if that's not scary, I don't know what is. If that doesn't cause just a little slight rumble in your chest a little bit, then I don't know what will. He not only knows all, but he will reveal all. As it said there in verse, three and verse, verse 2 and 3, he will, he will unmask hypocrites. He will reveal your sin. He will reveal where you fall short. He reveals my sin. He reveals where I fall short. He will reveal that you're going to need to pay for your sins. You know, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when I read that, I just imagine, I imagine like a flashlight shining around a room. Or like I, um, I work on, you know, airplanes and cars and stuff a bunch, and a lot of times there's inspections we have to do, and I have to, you know, get in a tiny little whole crevice about that big and and try to see if there's a crack or anything anywhere. And without a flashlight, I'd never see anything in there. I'd just be like, slap that panel back on, we're good to go, out of my mind, don't worry about it. But you can't do that. You have to get a flashlight and and, and look and see. And that's what, when I read this verse, that's what I think of. I think of God just with his flashlight saying like, yep, you've sinned, you've sinned, you've sinned, we've all, we've all sinned. And, And the same with this verse, revealing just, revealing everything. So he knows everything, he reveals everything, and he will judge everything. He will judge all. Um, and that's, that's, that's the tough part of these verses. When you read verse 5, he says, but I, but I warn you of whom to fear. Fear him who after us killed has the authority to cast into hell. Not only the, the power to do it, the authority to do it, but, but he will do it. Um, God has the authority to cast sinners and hypocrites to hell he He has the right to cast us all into hell. this applies to this applies to every one of us and this this fear that that should kind of well up in you a little bit right here is is a very real fear, and it's based on something we can't control either this 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 true fear based on the truth of who God is. I believe it's it's a very true fear because it's it's one of the it's the very thing that we cannot possibly control. A true God is one that we can't control, one that we can't just create in our minds that would that would just you know see us on the outside and be like boom, perfect, you look great. No, a true God is one we can't control, one that knows our deepest thoughts, our deepest actions, our deepest sins, one we can't create in our minds. And and I love I love the story of Job. And I'm just gonna Paraphrase it real quick here, um, because I think it, it displays this this true, healthy fear of the Lord in in a very drastic way. Um, so the story of Job: Job was this great, upright, righteous man, a lot of possessions, a lot of things. Satan goes to God and says, "If I took everything away from him, he'd he'd curse you, he'd turn away from you, whatever." And God says, "Okay, do it." So. His family dies. He gets boils all over his skin. He loses everything, and he's just in a a very bad place. He is down in the dumps, and chapters and chapters of this, chapters and chapters of describing the misery he's in, all that's going. He's got friends that come and give him some are giving good advice, some are bad advice. His world is just wild, crazy, and then towards the end of the book, Job finally kind of. It all kind of comes to, a, to an end here, and Job is just like, he basically lashes out at God and says, like, God, show me where I've done wrong. Show, what have I done wrong? I've done, I haven't done this. I haven't done this. I have basically, and I, I believe it says that he's trying to kind of justify himself a little bit and say, like, what have I done wrong? Prove to me what I've done wrong. And then his good buddy, uh, Elihu, comes up, and he says, like, wait, 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 wait a second, Job. Like, stop for a second and consider, consider who you're talking to. Stop for a second and consider the, the amazing and wondrous works of God. And then, and then God answers Job. And it's basically like out of the world when God says like chapters and chapters of just like, Job, where were you whenever I ripped the earth and formed it? Where were you whenever I caused lightning to go across the sky? Where were you whenever I did all these, all these things? And about halfway through, he pauses and Job falls to the ground, puts his hand over his mouth. And then God's like, no, 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 no he's basically, he says, I forget exactly how he says it. Um, he's, he says, uh, dress for action like a man. He's basically telling him, like, no, 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 no. Let's. We're still going here. Get up. Get up. We're still going. And he says to him, like, he says to Job, who is it that's going to find fault with me? Talking to Job. And Job Job has covered his hands with his mouth, and he says, I, I, your ways are too wonderful for me. I do not know. I, I, I should have never have said anything. And he's just just taken by this fear of of the Lord, of how powerful He is, of how, how, how amazing He is, of how just and righteous He is. Um, that's the fear of the Lord. Knowing who He is, knowing the truth of who He is, of every aspect of Him, not just the ones that are nice and warm and fuzzy, but the truth of every aspect of who the Lord is, that's what causes true fear of the Lord, a true fear that should be in our lives. Again, another quote from C.S. Lewis. It's in uh, his book, *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. And it's whenever the Mister and Mrs. Beaver are talking to the, the, the children about Aslan, who's a lion. And at first, they thought he was a man. And whenever they realize he's a lion, I believe Susan says, "Like, oh, he's a he's a lion, huh? Like, is he? But is he safe?" And Mister Beaver says, "Safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good, and he's the king. And, and that." again, is, I think is a a way we should be living our lives. Like, of course, God's not safe, but he's good. He's the king. He is powerful. There's that fear there. But the truth of God, of who God is, it it shouldn't just, it, it doesn't just lead us to fear him and stop there. Because that's what the fear of man does. The fear of man leads us to fear people's opinions and all these things. And then it just stops there. There's no, there's no back half to it. There's no There's no silver lining. It's this cycle of fearing and fearing and fearing and fearing, and and you're never going to get out of that. But the fear of the Lord, the truth of who God is, leads us to fear him, but it doesn't stop there. The fear of the Lord leads us into freedom. And the fear of the Lord leads us into freedom because God knows those who are his. As he said in verse, verse 7, he said, Even the hairs of your head are numbered. He's talking about these, these sparrows, and he says five or sold for two pennies, basically pretty much worthless. And he says, not a single one of them is forgotten before God, but he knows the hairs on your head. Fear not. You have more value than many sparrows. Our fear leads us into freedom because God knows those who are his. He doesn't forget the worthless sparrows. He knows you. And the safest place you can be, the place free from your fear, free from your worry, free from anxieties. The safest place to be is in relationship with him, and if you aren't in relationship with him i hope I hope today you begin to consider what that what that means and what that looks like for your life and what that what the what the the eternal aspects and benefits of that are as we as we've been going through this passage the same God who has the power over the wind and the rain and can simply tell them to be quiet as he's woken up from his nap on a boat the same God who who spoke the earth into existence, the same God who, who holds all things together, holds you in his hands. He knows your name. He knows, he knows every hair on your head. He knows your heartbeat. He knows your sin. And he still loves you. Because he, he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, for me, for hypocrites, for sinners. He died to pay the price for that sin that we've, we have all committed We've all fallen short. He sent his son to die for us. And when you accept Christ as your savior, you're, you're, you're God's forever. You are not. You're never forgotten. You are never left behind. You are his forever. And that's a life based in freedom. When, when you don't have to worry about what others think, we don't have to worry about what others can do to you or what will happen to you in this life, when you know you're going to spend eternity praising God and, and, and basking in his glory forever. A life where you... What's the the old old song? um, Like, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Whenever you can, we can literally say that every day to yourself. When you say, regardless of what happens today, regardless of what happens, the Lord has made this day. He has given me life in it, and I'll rejoice in that. That's a life, like, that's a life of freedom, where you can end the day and say, the Lord made this day, it was a good day, regardless of what happened to me, regardless of the hurt I experienced, regardless of the the fear and the pain, like, and not to downplay those things, because those do come in our lives, but regardless of those, to still say, this is the day that the Lord has made. So as, as we're, we're kind of closing up here, what does, what does a life living like that look like, where you are not... Overwhelmed by fear of, of people and fear of man, where you are surrendered to the fear and truth of the, of the Lord. I think at verse verse 8 through 12 kind of make that clear, and we're not going to go too deep into that, but when the fear of God is made visible in your life, you're going to honor Christ by acknowledging him before men. you're going to honor Christ by making his name known to those around you. you're going to You're going to honor Christ by by showing others that you belong to him, by living a life not full of hypocrisy, but a life full of worship of the king. You're going to let others see Christ through you, not just see you. Also, you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, as the last kind of verses say. It says, don't fear about what you're going to have to say or what you're going to have to do. Listen, because the Holy Spirit will make it known to you. He'll give you the words to say. He will guide you in your walk with him. He will guide you in your life. He will guide you through, through fear, through trials, through troubles, through all these things. And a life truly fearing and honoring the Lord is, is a life where you're, you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And you're, you're honoring God when you do these things. A life of freedom without fear is, is not a life that doesn't encounter fear. And it's not a life that's free from fear. It's a life where you allow God to cast out your fears with his truth. And replace them with, with that one true fear of, of who he is. So as we're closing, what another question to be thinking about? If, if you've been thinking about, you know, what are the, some of the things you fear, and what are some of the things that are are, are very pressing on your heart of of in your day to day fears and worries and and things that go on. What what are you doing to cast out your fear, or what is casting out your fear? Because it, it's it's something that, that we have fear in our lives. And in Philippians 2.12, it says, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, you're going to have fear. It's going to be there. Um, but the second part of that verse is what makes it beautiful, because it says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we're, we're going to experience fear. We're going to experience trembling. But are you trying other ways to rid yourself of fear? Are you trying other ways to get rid of fear in your life? Are you trying to use your own power, use your own good works, use your own perfect social media, use your own perfect, you know, whatever else to, to try to rid those fears in your life? Or are you allowing the perfect love and truth of Christ to cast it out? One more quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, um, Perfect love we know casteth out fear, but so do several other things. Ignorance, alcohol, passion, presumption, and even stupidity. It's very desirable that we should all advance to that perfection of love in which we shall fear no longer. But it's very undesirable until we've reached that stage that we should allow any inferior agent to cast out our fear. If we're trying to get rid of our fear of the things of this world by using the things of this world, we're going to be turning away from God. The God who says to cast our fears and worries on him, who is working in us to rid us of those things. Let the Lord cast out your fears. So if, if, if you're not living a life in relationship with Christ, in a relationship with the Lord, if you're not his, it's, it's time to fear God. It's time to fear where your eternity is headed. Because he knows all, he will reveal all, and he's going to judge all in his perfect perfect goodness, but don't be afraid if you are fearing God, don't fear. He knows who are his, and he holds you safe in his hands, and he will cast out your fears. oops oh, forgot one more quote for c s. Lewis. Here we go. last one, and I promise that's the last he's He just says things so well um he says. Uh, this is in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, God is the only comfort. He is also the supreme terror, the thing we most need and the thing we most want to hide from. God's gaze of goodness is either the great safety or the great danger, depending on the way you react to it. Will you turn to him with your fears and your worries and trust in him, or are you going to continue to run and hide and use your own powers to try to cast out your fears? Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for just a beautiful day and a great week and a beautiful weather, and we just can't praise you enough for that. But, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here today and just to, to learn, God, the truth of who you are and the truth of what your word says and, and the truth and the... Security that we can find in you, God, when we are overwhelmed by fears in our life, um, Lord, point us to the to the truth of who you are, allow your your truth and your love to cast out the fears in our lives. God help us to not not use the ways of this world to try to get rid of our fears and, and even these, these false fears that the world puts on us, God, but that we would have that one true fear of you and then from there Lord live lives of freedom knowing that you you never forget us that you care more for us than than even those sparrows that you never forget God you care for us so much more than that you sent your son to die for us God as we as we end today and, and, and again sing a few more songs of praise to you Lord just allow these words of these songs to rest on our heart and to to go today, Lord, living living lives with, with freedom and that little bit of fear in the back of our minds, God, of just who you are and how great you are. Um, and allow that to continue to push us into more and more freedom and boldness in our lives to, to live truly for you in everything we do. We love you and we thank you.